So we're going to be in James this morning as we continue on. James James chapter 2, if you'll turn there, verse 14. I believe in God the Father, almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into the grave. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy universal church, the fellowship of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And the question that we could ask, and that's the Apostles' Creed, when we declare that, and as I declared that, I believe those things. And if you believe those things, the simple question I want us to ponder this morning is, so what? So what? Does saying I believe these things make a difference in my life? Does believing these things or saying I believe these things, does it make a difference in the way I work? I go to work each day. In the way I treat people, in the way I use my money, my time, my body, my brains. Does saying I believe these things make a difference in whether or not I attain heaven at my death. So we come to James here, the, the question, and it, boy, he's hard-hitting as we come into these verses in 14 to 26 in chapter 2. We have to ask ourselves the question, what kind of faith <laughs> makes someone right with God? And do you have this kind of faith that James talks about this morning? Or to put it a little bit more eloquently, instead of just saying, so what? (laughs) Is your faith, and I want you to think about this this morning, is your faith really saving faith? Or the words that you've said or the emotions that you've felt, have they deceived you into thinking something that isn't really true? The, uh, all of us are familiar with saying, I believe something, right? And it not really being true in our lives. Um, for example, um, I can say, or you can say, I believe that eating fruits and vegetables is better for me than eating fast food and drinking soda. But we can say that But if we continue to eat fast food and drink soda, we don't really believe it, right? We say we believe it, but we don't. 
We can say, I believe that eight hours of sleep is what is I need for health. But if we stay up late watching TV and playing video games, then we really don't believe it. As we come to James, we come to, and, and it can be hard. And, and, and actually, I wanted to make a couple of statements up front. Is number one, I want you to know this morning that I, Dave Frederick, am not saying anything about any of you, Okay. I'm just seeking to accurately preach what is in James 2, 14 to 26. And the second thing I want us to get is, because I think when we start asking questions about, do you really have faith that saves, is some of you are going to think, who is he to talk to me about that? Is He's judging me. He's... He's questioning. I'm, I'm not doing anything except preaching James chapter 2, 14 to 26. I want you to get that, okay? Because what he says is hard. But it's so important. It's eternally important because we can say, I believe something, and our words and emotions make us think we do, but we really don't because there's nothing that evidences or demonstrates that we really believe it. It's just words. Um, and we don't want to live lives of deception, thinking we're something when we really aren't. I mean, you know, I could have started this sermon by saying, why do we believe in Jesus? <laughs> why? Why believe in Jesus? I, I, I was online yesterday reading some articles and, went from one thing to another and and there's this person just mocking mocking the faith of those that believe there's a god why do you believe there's a god when someone living next door to you or working alongside of you might think it's a joke and might make fun of it why why believe in jesus let me let me read one one reason this is this is this is powerful. Listen to this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And this is Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica, who, which is going through intense persecution because they are following Jesus. They're not just talking about him, but they are following him. And because they're following him, they're going through intense persecution. And, but this is what he says to them, starting in verse 7. 2 Thessalonians 1, he says, When the Lord Jesus appears from heaven, he will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of the Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people, praise from all who believe and obey. I mean, that's, that's coming. That's coming the day when Jesus is going to return and, and to gather those who are his, who love him and who obey him to be with him for eternity. Do we believe that? Do our lives, are our lives lived in the reality of that? 
true faith as we come to James here is this. It's not about mere words, but is followed up with actions backing up our words. True faith isn't just saying, I believe in Jesus. But true faith is demonstrated by a life following Jesus. Do we get that? It's following Jesus. It's seeing a rickety old chair and saying, I believe that chair will hold me up, and sitting on it. It's saying, I believe that donuts are bad for me, and not eating them anymore. And I'm not there yet. (laughs) It's saying, I believe in Jesus and following Jesus. Following Jesus. So let's turn to James chapter 2 here, and I'm going to read it. And the foundation for understanding James chapter 2, 14 to 16, really goes back to James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. So I'm going to start by reading 1, 26 and 27, and then we're going to, we're going to go to 2, 14. James 1, 26 says, If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James 2. And so he continues on. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing? What good does that do? You see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. It's not faith. Verse 18, now someone may argue, well, some people have faith and some people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? How can you say you have faith if there's no way to demonstrate faith? We just have to take your word for it. I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Verse 19, you say you have faith for you believe there is one God in your head. He's almost cynical. He says, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror because it's true. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Verse 21. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. 
So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab, the prostitute, is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. So just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. So let's work through these verses kind of quickly, and then I'm going to summarize what I think faith is. But first of all, I just want to make another statement. Faith isn't, and often I think we reduce it to this, faith isn't just a theological concept. Real faith is lived out in life. That's what James is talking about here. It's not just, it's just an idea. It's not just information. It's not something we assent to, but it's something that is worked out in real life. So let's work through. It's in verses 14 to 16. Notice he asks three really provocative rhetorical questions. The first is, what good is faith without actions? And the answer is nothing, obviously. The second question is, can faith without action save? And the answer is no. And the third question is, what good is a faith that says, have a good day, to someone in desperate need without helping them? What good is such faith? And the answer is, Obviously, nothing. There's, it's good for nothing. Uh, in, verses, in verse 17, the point, he makes it really clear. Notice he says, unless faith produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Faith without action. Faith that isn't lived out in life. Saying I believe and there's nothing that comes from that belief except I got to take your word for it is dead and useless. But notice in verse 18, James is thinking, but, there, but there's some people that are going to say, well, it's, it's not that simple, James. And so they're going to argue, well, maybe you have faith and, and, and I have good deeds or maybe I have faith and you have good deeds. You know, we, there's different ways that it works and James responds by saying, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. How can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I have to take your word for it. And it just isn't faith. And then in verses 19 and 20, he gives us an, I'm calling it a demonic example. Notice, in order to make it so clear that it isn't just about what we believe in our head or what we say with our mouths, he makes this, he says, in verse 9, he says, uh, the demons believe that God is one. And they do, because they know that God is God and that God is real. And they, they believe that, they assent to it, because it's true but their lives aren't lived out in obedience to that truth. They reject that truth. Their lives reject 
what they acknowledge. Is that true of us? Is it easy for us to, to say, I believe in Jesus, but, our, but the way we live our lives reject that very statement that we make, that person that we can't claim to follow? If faith is to be more than words or mental acknowledgement, one's life must live out what our lips express. And so just to make it really clear to us what faith is, James gives us two examples. The first is Abraham in verse 21. And I want you to imagine this scenario. God called Abraham to leave his family, his homeland uh, in Mesopotamia, and go to a land that he knew nothing about. It ended up to be the land of Canaan. He was just to to trust God. God said, and Abraham believed God, and he stayed in the land of Mesopotamia. Now that's not true. He went to the land. He followed. He obeyed. He followed what God called it. He believed, and his belief resulted in action. And he went to the land of Canaan, and he he lived there. As he lived there, um, and if you read the whole story, you see that it, it was a, a process of Abraham learning to live by faith. But as we come to what James talks about here, we see that he came to the point to where when it says Abraham believed God, that Abraham really meant that. He meant it so much that in Romans chapter 4, it says he was fully convinced that what God had promised, God would bring about. And what God had promised was that he would have a son, Isaac, and that through that son, all the world would be blessed. In fact, the savior of the world, Jesus, would come through his son, Isaac. And Abraham believed God so much, he was so convinced of that, that when God said, take your son, Isaac, and offer him as a sacrifice on an altar that Abraham did that because he was convinced that God was so great and so good that he would, if he took Isaac's life, God would bring him back to life. He so believed God he was willing to sacrifice his son because he was convinced that God was who he was and he would do what he said he would do. And so he took him at his word and he obeyed, even though that meant putting his son on an altar and raising a knife to kill him. Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what God said he would do and that he would do it. Is that what faith means to us? That's what James gives as an example of faith. The second example is Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. Jericho was condemned to be utterly destroyed by the Israelites. The first town that they were to destroy as they entered the land of Canaan. Um, because of the wickedness of the land, God had just said it's the, the land is to be wiped out. Well, before they attacked the city of Jericho, uh, Joshua sent some spies, two spies, into the city of Jericho, and they snuck in, but they were discovered. And so they, they went into the house of Rahab, and Rahab hid them um, under some grain, 
the soldiers looked for them, couldn't find them. And then she helped them to escape. What this meant was that Rahab, um, a Canaanite, a prostitute, destined to die with the rest of the people in Jericho by, by hiding the spies and helping them to escape was condemning all of her people, the town that she lived in, by helping them to escape. It brought about her salvation. In fact, it's incredible. If you read Matthew chapter 1, one of the four women listed is Rahab in the line of Jesus. Incredible. God honoring her faith, being willing to lose everything, everything that she'd known and called her own in order to hide these spies. In Joshua 2, 9 and 11, we find out why. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land for the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. (laughs) She believed. She believed in such a way that she was willing to follow even though it meant losing everything that she'd ever known. Abraham was willing to believe even though it meant losing the promised one. But they believed and they obeyed because their belief meant that they took God to be who he really was, that he would do what he really said he would do. Is that what faith means to us? So what is saving faith? I want to just summarize some things here from James. Faith is not mere assent to something that we acknowledge is true. We've got to get away from that. We've reduced faith to being information that we acknowledge rather than a person, a relationship that we follow. Faith is not mere assent to something we acknowledge is true. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. I'm a Christian. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's not saying I believe some information and then I can do whatever I want because then you don't, what James is saying is you don't really believe that. It's like saying donuts are bad for me, but I keep eating them. I don't really believe that. I eat less than I used to. Remember the lesson of the demons. They, they also acknowledge that God is one, that God is who he says he is. It's not just mere mental assent. Is your faith in Christ just words? I want you to think about that. Is your faith in Christ just words? I was talking to somebody a while ago, a couple of weeks ago, who virtually said that. They said, I believe in Jesus. And even though I'm not following him and I'm not living for him, he knows that I love him. And I even tell people, don't follow me. Don't live like I'm living because I'm not living for Jesus, but I believe in him. And and I'm telling you, you should believe in him too. Why? Why should somebody want to believe in somebody who says, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not following him? If he's not worthy to be followed... (laughs) 
why would I want to believe in him? Faith is not mere assent to something we acknowledge as true. Number two, faith is active. Faith is active. Unless it produces good deeds, James says, it is dead and useless. Faith is following Jesus, not just acknowledging Jesus. Does your life evidence Jesus? Does my life evidence Jesus? But number three, I want us to remember faith is a process. I mentioned Abraham. You know, Abraham, the man who left everything to follow God to this unknown land and then was willing to offer his son as a sacrifice because he so was convinced that God was faithful to what God said he would do. If you read the story, you know that it was a process and and incredibly, twice along the way, Abraham played off his wife as his sister to protect himself. He's a pretty nice guy. He played off his wife as his sister to keep himself from being killed because he thought they would, these people would kill him if they knew she was his wife. And this was, this was the woman, Sarah, his wife, through whom God was promising the promised one, Isaac. So he's willing for her to become somebody else's wife or concubine to save his own skin at the risk of her becoming pregnant and, and the whole Isaac promise thing getting messed up. Abraham, his life of faith was very, very much a process. Uh, you might remember the father of the demon-possessed son who who cried out to Jesus, uh, help my son. And, and Jesus said, uh, uh, um, and he says, actually what he told Jesus is, if you can help me. And Jesus says, if I can. Uh, anything's possible to those who believe. And the, and the man cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. Faith is a process. But it's a process of following Jesus. And, and the question is, are, are you in process? And, and the process can be ugly, like, like Abraham's process, where we, we struggle and we fail and we fall down, but we're following Jesus. As faltering and as struggling as it might be, we're not just talking about him, we're following him. But it is a process. Number four, faith is about building a relationship with God, not merely acknowledging information about him. One of the, the neatest things here in James is where it says, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. That is a really cool statement. Um, would God consider you his friend? I mean, that just totally changes this thing of what a Christian is and what to be a friend of God. Would you consider Jesus your friend? Somebody you walk with or, or just somebody that you say, I believe in him. 
Number five, faith is obviously, as we look at Abraham's life and Rahab's life, faith is about being all in. All in. Abraham was willing to give up his promised son. Rahab was willing to give up, give up her people and her home. Are you all in? That's what faith is. It's not affirming some information, but it's saying, I am, I am so convinced about who God is and what God will do. I am all in. <laughs> My life is his. And, and then, but then last, faith is a gift of God. I think sometimes, I, and if you think this is what I'm saying, I'm not making faith itself a work. <laughs> faith is a gift of God. It's something that God, can, we can't make ourselves right with God. Only God can make us right with him. Faith is a gift of God, something that we ask God, open my eyes, help me to see change my heart. God, do in me what only you can do so that I can see that you are who you are and that you'll do what you say you'll do. God, change my heart. God, open my eyes. Faith is a gift of God. So just a couple of questions to end with in case you're wrestling with what I'm talking about. The first might be, well, what about Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that says, by grace we are saved through faith, not by works. How does that work? And in fact, because of what it says in Romans that we're justified by faith and in Ephesians that we're saved not by works, but by faith, uh, for the longest time, the book of James wasn't accepted into the New Testament canon because they thought it was contradicting justification by faith, that we alone by faith can be made right with God. And, but the answer is absolutely. The, uh, we are not saved by works, as it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, so that no one can boast. But listen to the whole... Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Our salvation is not because of what we do, but because of what Christ did. But Christ did for us what he did on the cross and rising from the dead so that we might be changed people that would live our lives doing good deeds for him. Genuine faith leading to salvation makes has to make us exceedingly grateful for God's grace in a way that we say, God, what can I do for you? 1 Corinthians 15.10, I think, captures it beautifully. It says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And yet his grace toward me did not prove vain or useless, Paul said, but I labored even more than all the rest of them. Works. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Paul says, God's grace 
changed me, transformed me so that I gave my life for Jesus. I gave my all for him. And yet it was his grace. It's not me doing good. It's me grateful for his grace. How can there be with this kind of faith certainty about salvation? How can we know if we've done enough or if we're in or out or we need to work harder to be saved? Well, in 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul says, I know whom I have believed. And he continues, he says, because I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Paul's certainty and our certainty of salvation doesn't come from confidence in the work that we do, but in the work that Christ did. That's what saves us. By confidence in what Christ did for us on the cross, And it's that confidence then that gives us that certainty that I'm his. But with that same certainty flows a life that demonstrates it, that evidences it. One more question. How does real faith that works not become working to achieve faith? You see the difference? How does real faith that works not become working to achieve faith? It's kind of what happens where grace degenerates into legalism. You didn't read your Bible today. Do you think you're saved? Uh, You lusted today. You can't be saved. How does... Real faith that works not degenerate into working to achieve faith and to legalism. It's, again, because the focus of our faith is Christ and what he accomplished for us and not what we accomplish for him. Our focus is Christ. So to wrap it up here, faith means that I'm convinced about God. That he is who he says he is and that he'll do what he says he'll do. That's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'm convinced about God and so I live accordingly. That's faith. I'm convinced that God is who he says he is and it changes my life. It impacts my life. People can see Dave knows Jesus because Dave reflects Jesus. Do we do this perfectly? I don't. But like Abraham and his lifelong process of growing in faith, so I'm in this journey of following Jesus. Falling, failing, improving, but I'm in this process of following Jesus. attempting to reflect him. So how do we live this life of faith? In Romans ten seventeen, it says, faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about 
Jesus. That's how we live this faith. It's not like saying, good grief, am I saved? Am I not saved? The answer is going after Jesus, pursuing Jesus. And as we pursue Jesus and say, God, open my eyes to see Jesus. Help me to see the, the depths and the breadth and the length and the height of his love, what he's done for me. As we see, as our eyes are opened, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3, we will be transformed into his image and people will see him, see us like they're seeing him. We'll be people that reflect Jesus. If there are no good works demonstrated in one's life, it shows that there has been no work of grace in one's heart. I'm going to say that again. I know I can almost rub us, but if there are no good works demonstrated in one's life, it shows that there has been no work of grace in one's heart. Going back to James chapter 1, if there is no care for orphans, widows, and purity, it shows that there's no true religion, no relationship with God. If, if I say, I believe in Jesus, even though I'm living a life displeasing to him, what would James say? He'd say, no, no, you're deceiving yourself. Faith means God cares about the poor. I care about the poor. God hates immorality. I hate immorality. Doesn't mean I don't struggle with lust, but it means I want to be pure. It doesn't mean I say I believe in Jesus and I, well, this is the way it is. It says God hates greed, so do I. What God cares about, I care about. What God hates, I hate. What God loves, I love. Because I'm a child of God. How is your faith this morning? As I pray, I just ask that each of us this morning would pray and say, God, help me to see my own heart. God, open my eyes to where I am with you. And maybe some of us, it just needs to be that we need to be reminded. We've fallen, we've gotten lazy. We need to just start going whole hog after Jesus again. We need to be reminded that to be a child of God means that we're his, we belong to him. It's not to make us question who we are, but it's to make us convinced that this is who I am and therefore this is the way I should be living my life. But if you... If you open your heart to Jesus and you, and you see that it's just been words, it's an opportunity for you to say, Jesus, I've just been talking, but I want to start walking. I want to be yours. Make me your child. Let's pray. God, what an an amazing privilege it is for us to talk to you, the creator God of the universe, to call you our father. Father, for your son Jesus to have gone to the cross, to give his life for us, rebels, sinners, to die in our place so that we can have a relationship with you. Oh God, open our eyes to the, to the 
amazing truths, these truths, this reality. And help us to be people that don't just talk about you, but people that are gripped by you, that are changed by you, and that reflect you. Father, to a world that desperately needs the hope and the life and the peace and the comfort that only Jesus can provide. Amen.